Coming up on the first pod of 2019, we look forward to our favourite films that are going to be gracing our screens over the next 12 months. We'll review Bird Box on our new Netflix account. And finally, we find out what happens when Mary Poppins makes a triumphant return. In a cloud where there are already too many film podcasts, you have to ask yourself, what's the harm in one more? Two ordinary men armed with unqualified opinions. Talk Filmy to Me. Hello, welcome to the Talk Filmy to Me podcast, the film podcast about news, entertainment, general pop culture. It is the podcast that pulled a sickie over Thursday and Friday, but inevitably delaying the inevitable of having to go back to work. Speaking of which, that leads me to my co-host. In the same room, as weird as it is, it's good to look at you, John, not on a screen, not in a pervy, Skypey sort of way, more in a loving, I appreciate your thought on film kind of way. It's nice to be in the same room. I can smell you, I can see you, I forgot what a stylish man you are. <laughs> oh, thanks, John. How was your... Happy New Year, by the way. Yeah, Happy New Year. A lot of things to look forward to this year. Quick question. When is it socially acceptable to stop saying Happy New Year to someone at the start of a new year? You're supposed to say it the first time you see someone that year, so I think it could go on till October, November. <laughs> if you haven't seen them, try it out. See it. Yeah, Happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> happy New Year. Well, why'd you say Happy Valentine's Day to someone anyway? And if you haven't seen them at that point, anyway, sorry, that was a terrible example. Happy Halloween and New Year. Yeah, why not? Why not? Why it's not? A it's been a while. Anyway, so thank you so much, people that have been tweeting and, and sending us through messages. Something we didn't talk about in the pod last week, John, um, in the pod of the year. Uh, I done a people's vote on the Twitter account because you know we debate the big important things on the Talk Film with Me Twitter account, and this was a debate that's been in my household for a long time, right? My wife is is from the north. Uh, that's Yorkshire, not in like a above the wall Game of Thrones sort of way. Although everyone on Game of Thrones does have a Yorkshire accent if they're like northern, don't they? They do. Yeah, it's very northern chat. I just love the way it's like, you're busted. Anyway, um, we've got this debate going on in my household about uh, what you call the place that you go and view films, okay? So I call it a cinema. Some people might say the movies. But my wife has always called it the pictures. I find that a very old-fashioned, though, isn't it? It's a, well, is that a northern thing? I put it as a it is a north south divide thing. So I was like, you know what? And every time it's an ongoing joke for years. My wife will go, oh, "Should we go pictures?" And I go, "No, we're going to the cinema." <laughs> and uh, I put it up on the Twitter account saying, "Can we settle this?" And uh, loads of people voted on it, like over a couple of hundred people. I think two eighty in the end voted on it. And categorically, seventy one percent of the people, which is far more binding than any referendum would be, is that <laughs> it should be called the cinema. Pictures got about the twenty percent mark. Uh, everything, and I put movies down and other for other people to post in on that. Some people were quite passionate about it. Some people were like it really doesn't matter. Like I'm pretty cool with this. I tweeted um, Helen O'Hara and uh, Chris Hewitt at Empire about you know can you settle this and like cinema, but who really gives a shit? But anyway, that aside, thank you for voting on that as well. Was there ever ever in doubt, John? No, not for <laughs> me. I like pictures, though. It does, it's a bit more romantic, isn't it? Going to the pictures with your lady <laughs> or mum or, or mum or, or anyone that you feel you can share the cinema with. Anyway, speaking of sharing the cinema... 2019. This is a two-parter feature. We've done the first feature last week, films looking back on 2018. We're now going to look forward to 2019. John... Are you are you excited? What's the what is the take for you? Is, is I'm very the one? excited. I think it's going to be a good year. I'm seeing 
I mean, often the anticipation, the hype is usually about the movies with huge budgets. Uh, and, you know, not usually, not always my favourites. Hey, John, it's what you do with it, am I, am I right? Am I right, right. Hey? Absolutely. You're preaching to the choir there. Um, so let's kick it. Should I kick it off? I'm yeah, quite, go for it. I'm quite intrigued by Ad Astra, uh, which is Brad Pitt coming back. Uh, so this is directed by James Gray, uh, starring Brad Pitt, Tommy Lee Jones, Donald Sutherland, and it's set in space, as predicted. You know, you know how I like my space movies. So astronaut Roy McBride travels to the outer edges of the solar system to find his missing father and unravel a mystery that What's threatens his... the survival of our planet. What's his character's name? Uh, Roy McBride. What a name. I love film names. <laughs> it's but... a good made-up, strong-man name. Yeah, isn't it's it? never just like James Swiveller. <laughs> <laughs> so there's going to be aliens. I like that. He's missed his father for 20 years. Uh, you know, count me in. Brad Pitt used to be, for me, a signal. Is like he's only in good movies or interesting movies. I don't think you can still say that so much, but I, I'm, I still give him the benefit of the doubt. I, I'm looking forward to this one. I think fans of World War Z or Z, depending where you are in the world, <laughs> would argue differently on that, John. But no, that sounds awesome. Um, yeah, I love the. Yeah, you know, to yourself, I love space themes. So I'll keep it with the the space theme. I'm really looking forward to Rocket Man next yes. year. Oh, yes. Elton John, you know I love a music biopic. The only thing that is making me great against this slightly is that when people are talking about Rocketman, they can't help but take jabs at Bohemian Rhapsody. So, like, I was listening to an interview with, is it Taron Egerton? That's the guy playing, um, playing Elton. And it's just like, yeah, in this film, we're really going to go warts and all. You know, like, we're, I, I'm, I'm not trying to slate any other films at all, but, like, we're, we're really trying to go there in terms of uh, how Elton was chemi- chemically, in terms of how he experimented with drugs and, and sexually as well. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's not just going to be about the music. It's like, you can like Bohemian Rhapsody and you can like this film as well. Mm. There isn't, like, a, a divide on this, surely. Presumably, Elton's, uh, you know, okayed all of that. He produced it. He's a producer. <laughs> Of on course, and, uh, it'd be a bit awkward if he wasn't involved, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, kind of funny, but yeah. yeah well, it'd be great if afterwards they just send him a, a letter that just says "sorry" seems to be the hardest word. <laughs> Nay. Um, so I'll uh, talk about a couple of things that I'm looking forward to for next year. So it's a bit horror, actually, like in terms of what I'm really thinking about. So one of the films that really had a profound effect on me, I thought, was the the remake of It and It Chapter Two is due to come out next year. And I'm really looking forward to it. Um, it's got the adult cast. Uh, you know, We've gone through the cast a million times as they keep announcing it, but Jessica Chastain, I can't wait. I love everything she's in. Uh, just to name but some of the talent in that. Um, I really, really enjoyed it. I can't wait to see the direction. It kind of put, for me, it, it made me excited about horror films again. But if you're talking about horror, 2019, how come you know, we, can't have a dis- we can't have this discussion without thinking about us? with Jordan Peele. He's got an amazing year ahead of him. Do you know he's rebooting The Twilight Zone as well? That's exciting. So, Is that a Netflix no, TV original? No, I think it's going to be on Hulu in America. No one's picked up for the UK yet. You know, I'm sure someone will. Um, but apparently it's not going to... So it's all original stories. He's not remaking any of the original Twilight Zone. And he is going to do like the proper classic thing of introduce the episode beforehand, talk about his uh, thoughts and what he's trying to hold up there, which I'm absolutely so stoked about. I love anything with Jordan Peele. 
everything he seems to touch at the moment is going to gold and that Twilight show is going to be awesome but anyway let's talk about us like that trailer was so so good yeah possible film of the year contender I'm very excited for this yeah. one like there's so much like I think you talked about in the last pod when we brought up in news there's so much satire there there's so much being your own worst enemy a reflection on yourself all that sort of stuff which is kind of cool um, I suppose what kind of and speaking of interesting movies from that perspective Glass Yes. That's coming out next year, right? The long-awaited end of the trilogy that we didn't know was going to be a trilogy. What are we going to call it? Is it the Unbreakable universe? I thought Unbreakable was really underrated, actually. I, I quite enjoyed Unbreakable. So I'm, And it's interesting that Samuel L. Jackson was really keen to do this movie, right? Mm. Because he obviously has faith in the character and thinks it's got legs, if you pardon the pun there. Um, so it's. I think it's really good to see the conviction. Like, yeah, we're going to do this, even though that's not the M Night Shyamalan movie that everyone remembers so much. But yeah, mm. I think Split was a great film. Like, I really, really enjoyed it. But because I had no idea that it was linked to that universe at all until obviously the the big big reveal in the film that it was allowed to be something different and you could enjoy it. And then all of a sudden it tied it all together. I, yeah, I, I'm very, very excited about this. Uh, Samuel Jackson's going to have a weird year next year as well, or this year, I should say. He's doing uh, a Shaft movie. He's, he's reprising the role. It, 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 it must be called, like, the Shaft Universe movie. So it's going to contain four generations of Shaft. <laughs> like, there's going to be the original dude from the TV, like... Samuel Jackson, uh, one from the movie universe. Sorry, I don't know my shafts other than than the man himself, Mr. Jackson, and a new shaft as well. I'm I'm kind of I'm just curious. Like, there's going to be a shaft movie of every shaft ever. Yeah, well, you can do anything these days, Flinty. Who well, knows? Well, the shaftening, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> I'm actually quite looking forward to, uh, which I didn't think I'd be saying, but Jumanji two. Yes, it's we're like, going to see a lot of The Rock this year, as we do every year. <laughs> he's, you know, he's he's a busy man, but uh, I they succeeded expectations and yeah. the characters, the the banter. I think it's it's good to see see another one and see where they take it. Yeah, completely agree. Really enjoyed the the first film. Um, I was dead against the first film, as we spoke about in this podcast, until I saw it, and I was like, oh my god you've managed to breathe new life into a franchise without disrespecting the original material, and it holds up. It's great. It's just been re-released on Sky um, a couple of weeks ago, as well as Rampage, which is also a great rock film of uh, the last year, and I watched it again with my wife, and I was like, this is just a good time. I can't wait to hear what the title's going to be. Um, there is a title. It's Back to the Jungle. Oh, is it really I, something like that? It might, don't quote me on that. I should Google that, but um, it's something to do with the jungle. Oh, I was hoping it would be like Two Man, Two G or something. <laughs> <laughs> mm, that'd be interesting. It doesn't roll off the tongue. No, it's speaking Fast and Furious rip-offs. <laughs> or, um, like, and they've clearly got to set, set up a third film where somehow they get a free in Jumanji somehow. But uh, speaking of big blockbusters, obviously Avengers Endgame, that's already up there for film of the year without me even seeing it and I've got really high hopes for it and obviously the first film was fantastic and but what I think this film 
is not going to buckle under pressure because it was made at the same time as Infinity War. They filmed it back to back, a la uh, Back to the Future's Part 2 and 3. And although, yes, okay, that's probably a bad example because Back to the Future 3 is not as good as Back to the Future 2, but um, the same energy's there, the same vibe, the same writing staff. Like it was, it was, you know, okay, day one we're filming this, day two we're filming to that. So it's not like they've had to know the impact of how successful they were for it to influence the next part of that journey so I'm really really excited about that as well as obviously Captain Marvel sitting out there what is there any like big big I know John you're not the blockbuster guy but is there any like blockbustery films out there that are piquing your interest Toy Story 4 a love story Bo Peep goes <coughs> missing uh, gets sold at a yard sale or is that whatever. the storyline something like that yeah see <laughs> I've put so there's another... a self-contained story that's not sort of to do with anything else. Uh, okay, see, I've I've put Toy Story 4 in two lists for next year. One is films I'm really excited about and films that I fear. <laughs> now, I'm really excited about Toy Story 4 because it's Toy Story 4. It's going to be great, right? Toy Story 3 was a marvel. I absolutely loved it. I was crying like a baby and I've got no shame admitting that it was it pulled on the feels uh, amazingly well. I think you've killed it. Why why even try? You've nailed it. Don't 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 even try and top that. But they're trying, or maybe they're just continuing on a story. Or you could look at it, have they ever made a bad Toy Story movie? No. So maybe they should just keep going until they make a bad one, and then we'll, we'll can yeah. it. Yeah, and we've got um, Keanu Reeves doing a voice. <gasps> oh, I thought you were going to mention the Bill and Ted's. No, no, we'll get to that in a minute. But, uh, <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll talk about Keanu Reeves, what year he's going to have. So he's in Toy Story 4 as a character and I, I really hope he is basically a block of wood like he proper <laughs> leans into the fact that people think that he's a bit monotone and think that he can't express himself too well I really really hope they lean into that so that's in the plus column for me I really don't like Forky you know the, the, in that teaser trailer mm. they done yeah I, it, may, it seems gimmicky you're going to have all the classics the classic characters hey, if, if Ham's there <laughs> pulling chops with everyone, you know, busting everyone's chops, pardon the pun. I'm, I'm, they've, they've got my money. I'm going to see this. So let's talk a bit more about Keanu Reeves and the year he's going to have. So we'll talk about Bill and Ted in a moment, but John Wick, Chapter yeah. 3, that's coming out next year. Now, I am probably... John Wick, the first one, love it. Brilliant. It is that same feeling I got when I saw Taken for the first time and I was like, oh, my God, you can make films like this. That's the feeling I got with John Wick. John Wick Two was great, but it was just it felt like a, just a, a bigger you know that the big bad sequel. Everything's more amplified upwards. I enjoyed it, but probably not as much as the first one. But you know the first one was going to be a tough one. Chapter Three. Now this is this is interesting. Uh, it's got some new cast members, and it's going to be introducing some classic uh, classic partnerships from the eighties and nineties. I think Lawrence Fishburne's going to come back in it as well, which is going to be quite cool. And, yeah, you know, I think they're going to tie it off as a trilogy, so it's going to be the finale from that perspective. So I'm I'm, I'm quietly hopeful. So let's talk about... I know you're chomping it a bit, John, the knees waggling. So Bill and Ted. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventures. Um, I mean, it's set up. It could go one of two ways, couldn't it? But the fact that he's doing it, and the other guy's doing it, who who seems like he might have been in the coma for the last 30 years. So that's a bit disrespectful. But, um, I mean, it's interesting. It's going to be fun. They're older. What are they going to be like? Is it going to be like Dumb and Dumber? Uh, <laughs> the sequel, the actual sequel, where it kind of feels a bit dated and 
flogging a dead horse or is it going to... Are they just going to hit the nail on the head? I think they're going to hit the nail on the head, to be honest. I love it if they proper lean into the fact that no one remembers the other guy. Like, I'd love it even if on the posters they go, Keanu Reeves and the other guy. <laughs> That'd be fantastic. Um, I, I, I'm quietly confident. I think there's going to be something quite funny in there. Look, Keanu Reeves is not doing this for money. He's not doing this for anything other than just a love of, of wanting to reprise that role. It's taken a long time for this to come around. He said no for a lot of a lot of this. Now, what's quite interesting is that a lot of people, though, of our age, are going to be like, Bill and Ted, yeah, I fucking love it. But a lot of people don't know who Bill and Ted are. And it actually started out as a sketch on Saturday Night Live, I think. Like, there was just a, like a skit that they'll be basically stereotypical uh, stoners slash uh, punk rocker sort of thing. Mm. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I think they're going to nail it. Um, so comedy, do we think it's going to be a good year for comedy? Oh, you know my thoughts on modern comedy and the state of it. Um, um, I mean, let's hope. Bill and Ted's is going to have some funny moments, for yeah, sure. Exactly, right. Uh, there is a movie coming out this month, or possibly next month, actually, uh, called What Men Want. Do you remember What Women Want, fe- featuring Mel Gibson? It was the number one DVD for Mother's Day. <laughs> <laughs> it was always the crap. I need to get my mum yeah. something. Tesco's What Women Want, some flowers, and uh, Terry's chocolate orange. Fun concept. He can hear the women's thoughts. Um, <laughs> Hasn't that aged well, Mel Gibson? <laughs> thinking he knows what women want. <laughs> yeah. So they've made, made. I don't know what you could call it. A sequel of, of sorts, starring Taraji P Henson, who was also in The Best of Enemies. Uh, funny lady, very funny lady. Watch the trailer. We did. I mean, I laughed a couple of times. It's it's a funny concept. She can hear what men think. She's in a really uh, masculine, kind of toxic atmosphere at a sports agency. Some really funny bits in the trailer. Maybe all the funny bits that are going to be in the film we've already seen. But <laughs> let's give it a benefit of the doubt. Um, could be good. Could be funny. A silly comedy. Let's start the year off with a good comedy. Yeah, no, I've, I think um, it's you know an amazing time for a film like that to come out, right? I think culturally, uh, it's 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 interesting to to see that mirror held up again and remind us that you know there's definitely work still to be done, right? Yeah, I, as long as like as long as it's good writing. I know it sounds a stupid thing to say. What what a terrible critique thing to say? Well, if it's good, it's going to be good. But my point is, is that if it's got some really talented people producing this, then it's going to be amazing. Like, the subject matter will make it hilarious as well from that perspective. And like I say, the cast sounds pretty cool. For me, there's a comedy coming out which I know you weren't excited about, and I weren't until I saw the trailer, but I'm really excited about Detective Pikachu. Mm. Like, it's just it just looks like such a funny charm offence. And Ryan Reynolds, like, I can hear him narrate over anything all day. Him as Pikachu, and he was tweeting photos the other day actually of him when he done his uh, motion capture for it, and it just looks so funny. And so yeah, I I am sold on that. There's not many other comedies that I've been keeping my ear out. The Lego like, Movie too. See, I'm I'm I fear for that. Do you? Yeah. Well, I mean, Chris Pratt is his character is great, and there was definitely some laugh out loud moments in that trailer. Uh, the first one was a unexpected hit really outdid itself so there's going to be a lot of pressure on, on have you this heard one. there's a Playmobil movie in the works and that is also coming out some point in this year 
Oh, it's exciting. I always thought Playmobil was like the budget version of Lego. <laughs> and so and like at school, kids always like, "Oh, I've got Playmobil," and I'm like, "I want Lego, man." But it turns out Playmobil was chuffing expensive growing up. Anyway, that side. That's um, going to star Rob Schneider, is it then? Uh, no, it's got Daniel Radcliffe um, oh. <laughs> is actually attached to it. So look, I'm I, I was never really a Playmobil kid growing up. So and every time I if I had the option, it would always be Lego. Not that that should like decide whether this film's any good or not but um yeah the lego movie 2 i'm i don't know like uh, the trailer did not sit well with me it just felt like i don't know it just just felt like you were either regurgitating stuff from the last film or anything that was new just didn't land with me but i'm sure after seeing it i'd be like oh it's fucking great i love it just like i was with everything else i even enjoyed the ninjaro movie they done last year wasn't as good as the Batman one they done, and obviously the the first Lego movie. Well, if we've learned one thing from this podcast, Vinny, is to not jump the gun and judge too early because we've been wrong before and we'll be wrong again. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> right. So, and saying that, like we were quite wrong about the direction Netflix was going. We we were slating a lot of their original productions, but TV wise, they've absolutely killed it. But there's a a Netflix original which is coming out at some point in 2019. We spoke about it tons. I'm not going to go through the whole cast, but basically The Irishman, which is Scorsese and Al Pacino back together again, as well as Robert De Niro, as well as basically everyone you can think of who is absolutely amazing in those sort of films. The old band back together. Yeah, exactly. Goodfellas. Like, talk about... Apparently, a lot of people are saying this is the spiritual sequel to Goodfellas. Mm. And uh, I'm I'm so excited about this. And Netflix uh, have have got this. They're they're putting it together. They're going to be releasing that. Wow, that must be a fair chunk of the Netflix yearly budget on getting all of those stars. Well, not to not to plug, but um, later on you'll find out that we're launching a website. We do some really nice analysis on how much Netflix spends. And last year they spent eight billion. Uh, pounds on original content and how that compares to other competitors and where some of that money goes and you're right a lot of the money obviously goes into the talent involved on that speaking of awesome casts that are being assembled you can't talk about 2019 and awesome casts without talking about once upon a time in hollywood yes chock full maybe tarantino's best ever cast i mean he He's had some incredible casts, but this is like a who's who, isn't it? Yeah, it's insane. Like, absolutely insane. Uh, and every now and again, you'll see some pictures just subtly shared from it. And, yeah, like, the tone looks fantastic. And, yeah, this is... yeah. What can we say that hasn't already been said? Like, I am so excited about that. Is there any films that you fear for? I was talking about that earlier with Toy Story 4. Is there other films that you go, oh, that's... Oh, that's a train wreck potentially in the making. Oh, I hesitate to have to, you know, take a guess. But what about well, why you're Captain Marvel? I, I generally, I don't think that's going to be. Uh, I, I've got high hopes for that, John. So that's blasphemous. To be I think love it. Brie Larson. She can do anything. It's because she's going into a big blockbuster and you're like, oh, but we had Brie. I liked her when she was in the room. <laughs> I like Brie. I'll tell you one thing we were talking about and uh, saying that um, I, I I respect your opinion, but think it's bollocks, John. No, um, Aladdin. I have got high fears for that right now. Um, I, I think the genie looks terrible from those photos and... Uh, 
I'm still not convinced that Guy Ritchie's the right person to take it forward at the moment. But, you know, let's wait until an actual live-action trailer comes out for that. I've already mentioned that I was a bit uh, scared for Toy Story 4 just because I didn't particularly like Forky and Toy Story 3 is so good. It must be so daunting to, to come back to that. Um, I'll talk a bit about Dark Phoenix in the X-Men saga. That comes out at some point this year. Um, I think June. And do you remember when they started filming it felt like they were like right we started production and then the next day it felt like they were saying we have now finished production a film made that quickly and that same time the Disney deals happened Mm. so all of a sudden what Fox are thinking about with their X-Men storylines future plans and everything else that's all gone out the window and I from what I've seen uh, they released a trailer which they've said sorry to go into history lesson on this so X-Men 3 came out 2005 uh, pretty disappointing a lot of people thought it was pretty rubbish uh, the writer on that film has come out and said oh my god if we could do it again we would do things so much differently that person went on to have a pretty good career and end up becoming the director of Dark Phoenix which is taking the storyline from X-Men 3 and trying to adapt it again uh, bear in mind that that saga story spans over hundreds of comic books Like to do it in one film is a challenge in itself so you've got the guy from X-Men 3 who wrote the film that no one liked making the new version of it and they showed the trailer of it and the trailer feels like it's beating off the same beats almost like a like-for-like copy of that that first film. So I really don't um, hold high hopes for A, knowing that it's going out the door and they probably will be recast and the trailer kind of suggests it's it's playing off the same tones. But they could be doing that on purpose. could be a red herring. You You know, what do we know sort of thing. So... Yes, that's my... Oh, there's one more to mention. Go well, on firstly, I'm going to add Men in Black for one that I fear for. I think it might just be forgotten, glossed over and, you know, forgotten about. Uh, the Lion King. Ooh. The Lion King. I can't that wait cast. for you. The cast is amazing. Formidable cast. Uh, John Favreau directing... John Oliver. Come on, he's doing... John Oliver's at Zazu. Yeah. You've got Seth Rogen as Pumba. You've got Beyonce in there. It's just the only set thing, up to be an absolute smash. I kind of understand your your fears, and forgive me if I've if I've not if I'm not hitting the nail here of where your concerns are. Is it because the animals look too realistic? Well, it has the added bonus. Have you seen Simba? He's the cutest little lion cub you've ever seen in your life. They can make it as cute as you like. But the thing I fear for a little bit is the songs, because the songs. I have, you know, I'm a music man, so I love songs. I love Disney songs, Jungle Book original songs, incredible, and they did quite a good job of reimagining them somewhat in the remake. Hmm. Um, but it it didn't quite hold up, and I don't know if I'm just being fussy or if I just want the same thing. But that's the only fear I have. Hmm. It's the songs, the music. How is that going to go? See. What you're saying is quite interesting because later on in this pod we review Mary Poppins Returns and a lot of people say the songs don't hold... Not not a spoiler for the review, obviously you can check that out later on in the pod, but a lot of people are saying the songs don't hold up when you compare Mary Poppins Returns songs to the originals, right? And it's not supposed... It's not a remake, it's just it's a continuation of a story and they're, they're doing new songs. Now, Mary Poppins has had... 40 years to like even more to like embed in your culture and your psyche in the zeitgeist of movies 
and the Lion King's probably had a, a similar <coughs> impact on a generation. So retelling those stories and those films, like maybe it's going to be a bit too much. I don't know, from that perspective. Mm. Um, that being said, you've got some pretty talented music-wise people on this as well, right? I mean, Mr. Glover, Mr. Childish Gambino and Queen Bee. Like, what more do you want? True, very true. And it's been 25 years. There's a whole new generation that are going to love this. Um, and <coughs> it, it's going to be hard for us who saw The Lion King, you know, when we were wee lads. And obviously it holds a very important uh, thing for us. But I do think it's going to blow out of the park. I'm looking forward to this one. Frozen 2 is also coming out. I don't know if that <laughs> takes your fancy. You're probably going to have to watch that a few times with the little one. Uh, yeah, she doesn't know Frozen exists yet. Oh, mate, don't introduce it. Yeah, I know. Not out of like <laughs> anything other than just we're not interested in watching it. She loves Madagascar at the moment, so and she doesn't call it Madagascar. She calls it Move It, Move It. But um, <laughs> I can't help but laugh at Sasha Baron Cohen's King Julian. Like I forgot how funny he is. I just love that voice. It was like, hey, baby. It's just, yeah, it, it makes me laugh. Anyway... Let's not talk about films from 2003. Let's talk about 2019 more. So um, I think we've, we've talked film to death at the moment, but TV, right? I know we don't... We, we cover TV via streaming gems with Netflix, but I do want to say there's some, some TV out there that I am so looking forward to. So True Detective. Yes. Right. Season one, I would say, is like... If you had to write a... If you were sending a spaceship up into space with a time capsule of the best achievements mankind has done in media and you could put five TV shows in there, I think True Detective Season 1 has an argument of being in that time capsule. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the record, I'd put Mad Men, Sons of Anarchy and uh, probably House. Anyway, that aside, um, True Detective Season 2, although sh- like on paper you go, oh my God, like this cast is amazing, great writing stuff... It didn't click with me, season two, and it didn't click with HBO neither. It took them a long time to establish what went wrong, and they took some time out to figure out, almost four years, I think, to, to think about where they're taking True Detective. And season three is about to come out, and some of the traders are starting to drop for it. It looks absolutely fantastic. Amazing cast once again. But they're going back in time. It's been, I think, set in the 70s. I think they've looked at TV shows like Mindhunter and thought, hmm, there's a, some opportunity here. So True Detective, and that comes out in like a week and a half's time. Like so, like I'm not going to go into much more detail because you'll be able to just watch it and and uh, enjoy it yourselves. But yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. Can't talk about TV in 2019 without obviously talking about Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones is the big event, isn't it? It's gonna, it's all gonna be over. This is it. Well, is it gonna be over though? Because it's gonna launch loads of prequels and loads of other stuff. It's the end of the the Jon Snow it, it narrative. Needs to be over, Flynn. <laughs> we we we've no. I I think it's right. It's good. It's a good time to end it. I mean, uh, George R. R. Martin is you know he's had to finish it himself. It's it's his life's work, um, mm. and he hasn't got many more you know he hasn't got much more we well, ain't got much time left on the clock I can imagine as well um, <laughs> well he hasn't got many other places to go with it so uh, yeah I mean that's the big event it's going to be huge you're going to hear a lot about it probably from us as well um, call it now call who's, it now. who's going to win the war who's going to sit on the throne I think the White Walkers are secretly not as bad as we think and they're going to 
they're going to win the day. <laughs> Do you know what? I can't <laughs> bleak ending that would be. <laughs> I like it. It's original. It puts the, dra- puts the dragon on the throne, like the blue dragon at the end of it. I think that they're going to win the war and I think they're going to disband the crown. I think they're going to have a council because I don't think you can have... Jon Snow has a birthright to the cr- uh, fr- uh, the the throne as does uh, what's her name mother of dragons uh, everyone has their own little link what they think should be the uh, their bloodline in so I think eventually they'll be like you know what let's call the whole thing off <laughs> and uh, let's just uh, have a nice little house of parliament and we'll take from there no I generally think that they're going to they're going to disband the crown I don't think there'll be a winner sitting on the throne at the end of it well how nice for you Flynn <laughs> So, uh, more TV that I'm looking forward to. Let's talk about Netflix things now. Obviously, Stranger Things, uh, something we didn't actually talk about in the podcast, but it was news. Um, uh, season 3, it's got a release date. It's not going to be Halloween. It's not coming out Halloween this time. Season 3 of Stranger Things coming out in July. Mm. And uh, they showed the first poster. And the thing is, like, I do feel kind of sorry for the actors now because they're kind of all at that, that teenage age where... They look really gangly, like you know when like you just you're, you're at that age where all of a sudden you've sprout, you know, you're, you're all of a sudden tall, your limb, your muscles haven't caught up with your limbs yet, so you look you know a bit straggly, and uh, yeah, they're all kind of at that age right now, and it, it's an awkward time to be alive. It's a very awkward time <laughs> to be alive. It gets better though, and uh, and I hope the TV show gets better. I mean, season two was so good. We got a whole spoiler special on it. If you got a chance, go back and have a look at it. That's where we get uh, your missus. Miss Pruden to, to jump on it as well and I think we'll probably end up doing a similar one this time round yeah I think it's good that they've been they've taken their time with each series to get it right um, mm. and really build a an amazing show so fair play to them obviously going to be a huge event as well looking forward to that yeah. very much they dropped uh, about a month ago on their social media channels where they were just basically showing you Stranger Things free, and you know it's, it looks very John Carpenter-esque of how the free comes in very 80s-esque and while they're playing the theme tune showing you Stranger Things free, they show up what we believe is going to be the titles of each episode and there are so many theories out there about because there is a narrative that goes through each episode, but each episode obviously has its own point as well. And uh, yeah, it's really interesting. Some of the theories people are posting up on the on the internet about where they think the story's going. I think it's pretty safe to say that there's going to be a chunk of this set in a mall, like by the titles of the episodes and stuff. That's so eighties though. Isn't there's something it? so eighties about it. Yeah, it. and they also done a teaser video where they were they recreated a famous ad from the eighties about a shopping mall. So. Yeah, I think that's pretty much nailed on. That's going to be a narrative point. But um, and I keep talking about. Do you remember at the end where it was like that thing that was watching them while they were playing? I'll be watching you. Um, you know, that's that's got to be where it picks up, sort of thing. Mm. So yeah, really looking forward to that. Is there any other TV that you're you're hoping for? Um, Fargo. I believe Fargo's coming back for another series. Um, Chris Rock joins cast, which is kind of interesting, exciting. Um, Fargo is one of the best TV mm. shows around for me at the moment. Uh, if you love the original movie, the ser- a TV series seriously does it justice. It's has nothing to do with it, but it just <laughs> basically took the Coen Brothers style and theme and made TV series out of them, and they are amazing. Uh, Killing Eve, I think that's only just really... feels like the first series has only just really finished, but 
they're making second series of that. I expecting that this year at some point. Um, that's one of my streaming uh, gems for the year, as yeah. we discussed last year. So definitely check that out. Um, and yeah, so I think there's loads to look forward to. As you know, these days there's too much good stuff. You can't possibly get around to watch it all. So you do have to. That's basically what we're here for, though, isn't it, Flinny? Cutting through the crap, trying to give some good feedbacks and good recommendations. <laughs> we're like the we're like a crap version of the Netflix algorithm. We'll just keep talking about how much we like uh, <laughs> we like good biopics, and uh... well, you can't always trust that Netflix algorithm. It's very odd. The things it gives me 99% for and the things it gives me 60 or 70% for it's a bit odd I don't know how it works but I don't or if someone's hijacking my account probably and yeah. watching Gossip Girls or something yeah sorry about that John but thanks for sharing your password <laughs> saying that who sets their password as password anyway that aside um, yeah I, I agree with you sometimes when they launch stuff as well like when Bird Box came out I had to type it in to find it I had the same with Bandersnatch I was like this is obviously made for me i love black mirror you know i'm number one yeah fan. But it's not just that it's the day they launch something you know it's the big thing i reckon it must be like a technology thing in terms of costs so um not to get geeky but lots of people using a service at once costs money and a lot of people using the same resource at once probably costs a shitload of money so I can imagine they go, well, we want people to know it's there and keep their Netflix account, but ideally we wouldn't want everyone watching this at once. So that's why I think they they do that. But I could be wrong. I could be wrong in that. Well, I trust you. You're you're the uh, you're the IT product manager man. I don't know your title, but uh... <laughs> <laughs> Overlord John. Overlord, Overlord, that's the one. But um, saying that, um, I think it was Birdwatch. Not Birdwatch. That's a that's a completely different show, and <laughs> you need to be over eighteen to watch that. But um, Birdbox is the most streamed Netflix movie in the first like two days ever. Wow! It was something like forty percent of all accounts have watched it. It's amazing how quickly nowadays. Word of mouth sometimes took weeks and months to really get mm. a film out there. Nowadays, something's good. It word travels very fast, goes viral, and before you know it, everyone's tweeting about it. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's kind of good. Democracy in action. You get some <laughs> amazing uh, films at your fingertips, and it's great to see Netflix original really bring out some amazing content recently as well. I'd love them to do... So last year, Spotify done an interesting campaign. They would advertise usernames and linking that to data. So it'll be like if someone was listening to Christmas songs in July, they would tweet that username saying, enjoying listening to Wham! even in July sort of thing. Mm. And uh, it, it built up and no one was adverse to it. Everyone loved it. Everyone loved the idea of like, oh, it's quite funny, their engagement. I'd love Netflix to do something like that. Where it's just like, Adam, can you stop watching Brooklyn Nine-Nine? You've mm -hmm. gone through the season mm -hmm. three or four times. You haven't been this bad since you've binge watched Ar uh, Archer ten times. <laughs> yeah. I've, is it a bit creepy though? It's just reminding you that they've got all your likes and interests at the, their fingertips. No, it means I get better products. It don't really annoy me, but I work in that sort of stuff. So, like you are the overlord. I am the overlord. You don't mind data. <laughs> Some people are a bit more private about that sort of thing, Flinty. Oh, I'm so sorry, John. You'll have to stick to your old terrestrial TV and hope that Killing Eve season two makes its way back onto the BBC. <laughs> anyway, anyway. Um, Thank you 
for that. That was that was that was amazing. Uh, always loved that. And thanks for everyone that's been tweeting and talking about the 2018 2019 feature stuff. And um, is there something that we've talked about that you wanted to talk to us a bit more about? Get in contact with us at Talk Filming to Me on Twitter. If there's any films we've missed that you think deserve a good shout out or TV show you want us to to give our opinions on or just talk through then yeah as I said before get on contact at Talk Filming to Me Streaming Gems What's going on? People describe seeing an entity that takes on the form of your worst fears Oh my god What are you looking at? What did you see? What is wrong with you? Please stop it! Bird Box, a original Netflix movie, original on your Netflix account from December 21st of last year. Starring Sandra Bullock, it has been called the Netflix's answer to A Quiet Place, which is kind of unfair. Yes, it's a post-apocalyptic film. Yes, it does involve an element of uh, the main protagonists not being able to use a key part of human communication and sense to negotiate around a world where something is out to get them. But that's where the similarities really part. This is a post-apocalyptic film directed by Suzanne Beer. You may know her in the world of TV. Her most recent accomplishments has been The Night Manager. And it's her with Eric Heiser, who has actually adapted this from a book uh, back in 2014 of the same name. The premise of this film is revolving around Sandra Bullock's character. Um, It jumps forward in time and back in time. It's quite an interesting take on that. But basically, an event happens. At this event, a entity makes itself known to all of mankind, where if you gaze your eyes upon it, it will personify itself into your worst fears and basically convince you to commit suicide. Now the trick is to make sure you don't see it. The only way you can make sure you don't see it is by keeping your eyes closed. So the only way you can negotiate around the world is basically blindfolded. This leads to lots of interesting scenarios and I suppose that's where there's more comparisons to A Quiet Place in terms of you know, A Quiet Place, you remember they couldn't make a sound so they had to find other ways of getting around safely without making a noise. In this case you have to get around the world without opening your eyes. Sandra Bullock plays a character who uh, at the start of the movie she's just found out she's pregnant. It's an unwanted pregnancy but upon advice from her sister goes to a prenatal screening clinic where uh, they're basically just going through the 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 motions of finding out she's pregnant and on the way home from that appointment that's where this event hits and all of a sudden people start dropping dead uh, killing each other and just all all havocs breaking loose it's affecting a vast majority of the population it is decimating the populations around the world um, the film quickly goes into a a kind of the road-esque movie in terms of she takes refuge with a bunch of survivors one of them played by John Malkovich who plays a role that's not John Malkovich-y which is kind of cool but he's still a crazy SOB nonetheless Um, she emerges five years later with two children uh, which she calls boy and girl it is so bleak she doesn't want to give them names that's how little hope she has for the future this is a very bleak film and that's where the, the comparisons with A Quiet Place definitely ends this is a very bleak film there is no hope here there's not planning for the future it's just surviving getting from point a to point b there's some really interesting uh, clever uses of how they are getting around from point a to point b earlier on in the film there's a quite a famous scene where they have to try and drive across uh, a town and 
they can't open their eyes. So the only way they, they know to negotiate this is to put paper mache across all the windscreens so they can't see a goddamn thing, but they're gonna use the parking sensors to figure out where items are close and far away, etc. cetera. Uh, there's an interesting scene where Sandra Bullock, and I'm sure you've seen it in the trailers, where she has to negotiate down a river blindfolded, which is crazy AF, as well as just, uh, yeah, the general tone of this film is very bleak. It lends itself more to the sort of 70s horror sort of 70s, 80s sci-fi horror where there's basically no joy to be had. It's just a case of surviving, you know, those ominous tones. It feels like it could have even, even dropped that. So basically, like I said, the film starts with just before the incident, the incident happens, and then it jumps forward five years as Sandra Bullock's had these children, is now surviving out in the forest, and an event happens that causes her to have to leave the group and go travel further upstream. Um, I'm not going to go into much more plot details than that. I think this film's a real slow burner. Um, it tries to really let the, the story breathe from that perspective. And I, I think to some degree it really does pull it off. It is lacking. It's not as innovative as I thought it could be. Um, the trailers do pretty much give away a lot of the good stuff. But Sandra Bullock is, gives a real measured performance. It's great to see her doing something uh, so versatile. You know, She doesn't need to in her career. She can sit back and have some of that speed money. But no, she's decided to, to keep pushing herself, pushing the envelope. Apparently, she's done all her stunts in this as well, which I find hard to believe. But if she did that, it's absolutely amazing. Um, this is very much a great addition to your Netflix account. It's a great start to the new year for Netflix originals if you've not seen this one yet and um, I am going three out of five bird box three out of five on your Netflix account enjoy something's happened can you just please drive did you see something Hello Pod, up next is going to be our review of Mary Poppins Returns. This is going to be Emily Blunt's first outing as the beloved Julie Andrews character. Uh, this has sparked quite a bit of debate. If you'd like us to do a spoiler special where we really go and nerd out on this one, please let us know at Talk Filming to me. Otherwise, sit back, relax, have a spoonful of sugar and hope that we dive into a pool of dolphins. Enjoy. I honestly can't remember why we kept most of this stuff to begin with. Don't you remember that kite? We used to love flying that with mother and father. Those days are long behind me. They always say that characters only become immortalised when someone else takes up the mantle. That has happened from the works of Shakespeare right up to the modern day of your James Bonds, your Jack Ryans, your Supermen, your Batman, your Spider-Men. But hey, wait a minute, it's a bit of a sausage fest. Let's talk about Mary Poppins. This is a film sequel that I don't know if many people were actually asking for or expecting to ever happen. The only people that wanted this to happen was Disney. In fact, straight after the first Mary Poppins film, uh, around about 54 years ago, um, Disney were desperate to have a sequel. But the original author of Mary Poppins absolutely detested the adaptation, so done everything in her power to make sure it never got the light of day. They tried to touch upon this a little bit in Saving Mr. Banks, uh, but they kind of glossed over it pretty much. But anyway, let's talk about now. Mary Poppins Returns, it does exactly what it says on the tin. This film is set 20 years after the event of the first film, 
and basically it follows Michael Banks, who's played by Ben Whishaw. You may know him as the voice of Paddington. He is also Q in the new Bond movies. Basically, he has grown up. It's 20 years later. He's living in the old family house. Uh, he got married, but unfortunately has just been widowed, has been left with three children. And one of the, the big sort of narrative points of this is that Michael is a creative guy. He never really looked after the books, uh, ironically of the surname Banks. Uh, his wife basically kept the house ticking over and with her passing that means everything has fallen apart to the point where their house is about to be repossessed. But there is hope. Michael was left in his father's will some bank shares that are worth a lot of money. Basically, I need to find my MacGuffin piece of paper to make sure I can save the family home. However, he is grief-stricken and is unable to fulfill any of his parenting duties at the time. He's got three children and basically they go out into the, the charming post-Victorian London, which is quite colourful actually in this, this version of Mary Poppins, and thus Mary Poppins makes her return. But obviously, we've got a new face to the hat and this is played by Emily Blunt what a year she is having she's incredible if you think about I, I literally love everything she's been in for the last few years I think about Edge of Tomorrow how versatile she was in that obviously a quiet place absolutely fantastic and she's awesome in this like she is generally amazing a lot of people have sort of brushed up against her performance saying that they kind of don't like her accent she's doing a great Julie Andrews impression anyway I'll, I'll go on to that a little bit later in terms of other new cast members we've got Lin-Manuel Miranda playing a uh, I, don't, I don't know how she called it uh, a street light keeper blows out candles at nights and lights them again. Anyway, really basically playing Lim Memorial Miranda, being very optimistic, very, very chipper. We've got Emily Mortimer, who is kind of underused in this film, playing Jane Banks. Dick Van Dyke does make an appearance in this film. Colin Firth is also here, as well as as a as a villain, believe it or not. Kind of moustache twirling, it's nice little uh, nice little switcheroo on that. This film it's very episodic. It's very much bookended by musical numbers. Uh, this film took about two years to make. In fact, they've had it in the can for 18 months um, just because they were basically trying to find the right slot to release this. And listening to interviews with various cast members and stuff, they treated this like a Broadway musical. You know, they brought their A game in terms of their performances. Everyone gets songs in this. Everyone gets performances in this. I'll touch on the, the songs in a little bit. But that being said, the way the episodic treatment is done, it's done really charmingly. Look, it's this is what I find quite interesting, is that this film tries to pull on the nostalgia of the first film. It is very much a similar tone. In fact, some people might even say that this is more of a remake rather than a sequel or a soft reboot, as the as the, the millennials are calling it nowadays. And um, I would kind of agree with that. There is very It shares a lot of DNA of the first film, not obviously narratively, but in terms of structurally how the film is, is done. The actual like storyline is quite wafer-thin. Look, it's just an excuse for Mary Poppins to, to sing about a broken cup with the kids. You know, it doesn't need to be too much... Um, hanging in terms of story. That being said, it does get a little bit dark. Michael Banks' first song is actually a song to his departed wife. He's grieving, you know, saying, how will I cope live without you sort of thing, which you go, oh, it's getting a bit dark, especially for, for this type of film. And it does really pull on the heartstrings in terms of the nostalgia, as mentioned before. They do a really good animation scene and they, they do the classic penguins and all that stuff that all comes back. There was Pete, that style of animation basically died. Like there was no one out there operating today that could do that they got people out of retirement to be able to do uh, some of the animations within this to be in that classic disney style which you've got to respect that there's something really charming about that and there's something really charming about this whole film in fact 
it is so charming and sweet, you might actually have to go to the dentist afterwards. And that kind of grated on me a little bit, but I don't know if this film was actually made for me. Um, when I was listening to a few other reviews of this or reading other uh, interpretations of, of the film, a lot of people were brushing up against the music and I don't understand why. You know, as mentioned before, Mary Poppins had 54 years to embed into us. And I'm not sure after first viewing, kids were coming out of the cinema back then and singing those songs. So let's give it some time, let's get it some time to rest. I think it's definitely earned, it's right for people to love this. It's been directed and written by uh, Rob Marshall and Dave McGee respectively. Um, both Americans, doesn't make a jot of difference, they've done a great job. Um, I will say though that the colour palette in this is far more vibrant than I'd come to expect of supposedly a, a you know a direct sequel to the first film, but that's cool, Like they're keeping the vibes in there. I always judge films on how entertained I was. I brought the family along to this one, they all loved it. I don't know if my daughter's been captivated by it just yet, but you know, Mary Poppins Returns, I'm sure will be on every bank holiday on ITV, just like its predecessor was for the last 50 years. So I'm sure eventually this will become a keepsake in any family's family movie collection. I generally really like this film. It's something really charming about it. Lim Manuel Miranda is absolutely fantastic. It's a real charm offensive and just so happy to be there. Like You feel like you just wanna go hang out with him just because he'll actually make you feel better about the world. Uh, as mentioned before, Emily Blunt absolutely knocks it out of the park. Uh, a lot of people are really happy that Ben Wishaw was uh, appointed in this film, even though that meant that he couldn't reprise his old Paddington roots he's still the, the very charming bumbling english person as you expect him to be in this and he does a great job even angela ladsbury um does a quick cameo in this as well which is kind of cool mel streep does a big number in this as well uh, it's quite long two hours 20 and uh but i didn't come out feeling like my foot fell asleep where i know some people were brushed up against that you know if i look at how it's performed in terms of scoring you know, the audience is giving it 70 and the critics giving it 78 and yeah, that's that's probably right. Um, I'm going four out of five. I really did enjoy this. I think it needs time to embed, and I think there's a couple of things that didn't work for me. There's kind of like a love narrative for Mary Poppins. She throws a few innuendos in there, which I was just like, did she just do that? And are they trying to pair her off with someone? Or are they implying she done something? You slag. Anyway, um, I really enjoyed it. It was a great film, four out of five. It's a recommendation. Take your family to go see it. Don't let the haters hate on this, it's great. Everything is possible. Even the impossible. Off we go. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. If you've enjoyed listening to this as much as we've enjoyed making it, please click on the like, subscribe, follow, whatever button it is that you get more content from Talk Filmy to Me. John, my man, the man that I have done 54 pods with, plus a bunch of specials. How can people find you? You can find me on Twitter also, at Descamento. Also, in February, we'll be launching TalkFilmWithMe.com, a website that will be containing news, features, all our podcasts. If you're interested in writing for us, please get in contact with us at TalkFilmWithMe on Twitter or podcast at TalkFilmWithMe.com. Till next time, stay filmy. Bye-bye. Talk Filmy to Me.